Hello and welcome to the MetHeron Podcast. My name is Noel Fitzpatrick. This month we have a special crossover episode. I was delighted to be a guest on the Basically Podcast with Stephanie Preisner. We had a fun, wide-ranging conversation covering topics like why Ireland gets the weather that it does, how weather forecasting works, your chances of getting struck by lightning, and what climate change has in store. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner, and with me in studio today, I have Noel Fitzpatrick from the Met Aaron podcast, and we are going to talk about the weather because that's what Irish people do. Welcome, Noel. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Um, so, I have I have a bit of a bone to pick with Met Aaron because I feel like the sometimes it's unreliable and my sheets get wet when I hang them on the line because they said it would be a dry day and it's not. Can you talk to me about about the weather, about forecasting, about how specific it is and how, how I guess, it's developed and how it's come on because it's actually, even though I'm not impressed by it, it's a pretty impressive thing to be able to predict. Sure, I, I think it's impressive. We're basically telling the future, which I think is pretty good. Yeah. And uh, So it's it's developed dramatically in the last, certainly in the last 30 years or so, mm-hmm. primarily because of computing. But initially forecasting was all about pattern recognition. So the people who were outside most of the time, you know, farmers were the best forecasters back in the day or sailors because they were looking at the conditions. They would see, oh, we know these cloud types means we might get some rain. We might get a bad storm coming in in a day or something like that. And forecasting has moved on dramatically since then, obviously, because now we try and actually understand the physics of the atmosphere. So what it is that causes our weather to to move, to develop, and how we are able to then forecast that is by using computers to sort of advance those physics into the future. Okay, so it's like when you see the weather forecaster and the clouds are down in Cork and the time rolls on and you can see the clouds pushing up past Dublin. So the computer allows us to I guess, fast forward what these weather conditions that we can currently see in the Atlantic, what is going to happen when they pass us? Absolutely. It can, as you say, can fast forward those those conditions that we already see. But what I think the, the coolest thing about forecasting is it can forecast or predict conditions that haven't occurred yet. So, for example, I uh, would say this year has been a fairly quiet storm uh, year, but last year we had storms that we were forecasting to take place maybe seven days before they happened but they hadn't even formed out in the Atlantic yet. So, so how knew- did you know they were going to form? So what, uh, how it can basically how the weather uh, models work is they take in as much information as they can about the atmosphere as it currently is. So it's like they take a snapshot of the atmosphere as it is. So knowing like what temperature it is, what the pressures are, what the winds are, all that kind of stuff. And you'll do it over as detailed uh, a grid, say, over the atmosphere. So as many points of information that you can mm-hmm. get. So you know what the atmosphere is doing right now. And then it applies, as I mentioned, like the physics or the equations of how the atmosphere works to move the, all those uh, values forward in time. So it knows, and again, this is through years of refinement and years of research, it knows that uh, how different parts of the atmosphere are going to interact with time. So it can tell that maybe if you, if, if say these temperature conditions stay the same, say, stay the same way for the next few days, uh, or these winds interact in a certain way that you're going to get a low 
low pressure forming. And then mm-hmm. this low pressure, uh, based on the way that uh, the atmosphere is set up, is going to move towards Ireland. And then as it gets closer and closer to the time, you can get more specific. So like seven days out, we might be only saying we think that a storm is going to arrive on, say, the Friday mm-hmm. and somewhere in Ireland. But then when you get into like two, three days out, we, we might be saying, well, it's going to impact Cork worse. It's going to arrive in the morning, it might ar- arrive at rush hour when there's going to be lots of people traveling. So you need to watch out for that. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's... It's all about refinement. It's kind of, you you look at the broad picture first with about, I said, maybe like a week out or something like that. And that's when I guess the forecast will be pretty vague. And it's there's only so much you can predict that far out. But as you get closer, like the forecast now for about three days out, despite the wet sheets and the, and the you know, people getting caught out on their, on their walks, um, is actually very good. There, there's active forecast verification that takes place in MetAaron. So what I mean by that is basically uh, we have researchers who look at what was forecast and then they compare it with what actually happened. And the, the results are actually very good. And when it doesn't work or doesn't work so well, that goes back into helping to refine and develop the models further. And are there certain things like um, certain weather outcomes or weather events that are harder to predict. Is everything predictable now, or are there things that just will just come out of nowhere? No, absolutely, you're right. There's there's some things that are that are much easier to predict. Generally speaking, the big storms that say that we, that Ireland experiences during the winter, um, the ones go, that we name, yeah, exactly, yeah, um, and even the ones that don't reach storm level, just like these big what we call frontal systems. It's like when you get a, a couple of days of rain and, and and moves in over the country. Those um, are relatively now we're relatively um, easy to predict because because they're big systems um, you're not trying to target a specific area as to where they might hit because they're probably going to hit the whole country mm-hmm. and they're moving at a set rate and you have a fairly good idea how fast and, and how soon they're going to arrive what's tricky is say during the summer for example when you get these more like showery conditions where you might have like one cl- one cloud that's causing the rain okay. or like a little thundercloud or something like that and what you'll hear in the forecast is you know, ch- you know chance of scattered showers you know everyone mm-hmm. you hear that all the time the reason being is that these are literally single cloud storms or single cloud rain events and it's uh, you know it's it's basically impossible to predict exactly where they're going to pin up or if they're going to rain on your house or rain on your neighbor's house kind of thing so okay so that kind of small scale forecasting at this, at the moment, anyway, it's it's impossible to be to be specific, and that's why I'll say, well, this region may get showers. Like somewhere in this region is going to get showers, but we can't because say we it. know that like hot air is meeting. Co- like, how do you know that there's going to be that cloud anyway? Just that one specific cloud. Yeah, so it it goes back to say the the background conditions of the atmosphere. So we know, for example, like what I'm referring to there, those showers, they're called uh, convection showers, and basically it happens. A bit like when you're boiling a pot of water, for example, that you'll see the bubbles bubbling up from the bottom. Yeah. Same thing happening. You've got warmer air at the bottom and colder air on top and, and warm air wants to rise, right? So it yeah. rises up through the cold air. So if you are a forecaster or even if your computer model sees, so to speak, that you have those conditions, it's a pretty good indicator that you're going to have those showers popping up. Mm-hmm. But not unlike your pot of water uh, those bubbles might pop up anywhere. Okay. So it, that's kind of what's happening. So you mightn't be able to say exactly where those bubbles are going to pop up, but you know in that pot of water, so to speak, mm-hmm. that there will be some bubbles popping up. And can you say, like, is that a 
how specific can you get? So is it, there's, it's a summer's day in Ireland, it's hot, but there's this, you know, there's this cold air as well. So we know that there's going to be showers across the country or is it across Dublin or is it like across Dublin 15? Because sometimes it's a lovely day in Dublin 15, but in Dublin 7, it, there's this random shower. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the difficulty in trying to forecast those days, right? Because you can have that difference between the two. In terms of how specific you can be, it depends on timeline. Okay. So, if you are talking about showers that are maybe, say, within an hour or two, okay, we have um, a method called now casting. So, it's like forecasting, but you're talking about the now, essentially, mm-hmm. so now casting. And essentially, you're looking at, say, clouds that have already formed and uh, looking at what their predicted movement is over the next hour or so. Mm-hmm. So, say you have showers that are forming you know, in Kildare or something like that, and you can see they're moving uh, towards Dublin, you can uh, use, you can sort of estimate, well, they're moving at the speed. We know that in an hour's time, they're probably going to be over at this part of Dublin. Um, so that that's now casting, that's getting more and more advanced. Um, actually, in Madaren, we're developing a, a new system for that. So that's useful for things like, say, for example, you're organizing an event, an outdoor event mm-hmm. in Dublin or anywhere in the country, and uh, you want to know, well, is it going to rain and it rain in the next hour or something like that? Mm-hmm. That'll be really useful. You can kind of do that yourself at the moment. If you look at uh, radar imagery, which is showing you what's actually happening at the moment, mm-hmm. and if you sort of play the radar imagery, which is up on the MedAirn website or the MedAirn app, if you play, say, the radar imagery for the last hour or something, you'll be able to see like the little shower moving along and you can sort of guesstimate, okay, it's moving this way and it's moved that much in the last hour. So it's so probably going to, yeah. are you going to have taken the washing in the next half an hour or something like that? You Maybe know? I should get on the radar. As a country, we our weather isn't very extreme, right? Where we see in other countries, like they have these extreme weather events. Is that because of our position on the globe? And also as climate changes, can our can we like might we see you know the way in in America you see these like crazy tornadoes picking up cars and cows and chucking them everywhere like as climate changes might we start to get those sorts of crazy events or is our climate or I guess the di- I, I'm asking about the difference between climate and weather. Sure, um, I suppose just to, to to touch on the first part in terms of like can we get those extreme conditions. We can from time to time, but we're sort of not geographically set up to get them frequently. So you mentioned there the States, for example, the extreme weather they get and and other parts of of the world where they get those very uh, extreme conditions. It's a lot of it's to do with the um, very specific local setup. So they may have, for example, the reason you get so many tornadoes in the US that you've You've got this region where you have a combination of warm, moist air coming in from the Gulf of Mexico. You've got cooler air coming down from the north and then like dry air coming across from the Rockies and the mountains. And so you've a whole bunch of factors that are that are editing the weather there to be extreme. Mm-hmm. In Ireland, as you know, we're right on the edge of the Atlantic. The Atlantic is a great moderator for our weather. Um and it keeps it keeps our weather. Uh, you know, we do get we do get fairly substantial storms here in Ireland. You know, regularly during the winter, but um, the Atlantic keeps keeps things uh, keeps things moderated. In terms of will they change uh, going forward with climate? Um, again, it, we're going to still have that same moderating effect mm-hmm. of the Atlantic. What we will probably see 
is we may have a more increase in extremes of more frequent heat wave events and more frequent uh, heavy rain events. In winter. In in winter, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and why is it that um, any time I cross the Shannon, it's raining? <laughs> like I am from Cork. I live yeah. in Dublin and my husband is from Mayo. Mm. And I have only once been to Mayo where it hasn't rained. It is always raining in Mayo. <laughs> What's that about? Yeah, well, I'm a Sligo man, so right. uh, I can empathise very much. Um, so again, it's, it's coming back to the Atlantic and also the fact that where Ireland is positioned, so our latitude... So how sort of far we are between the equator and the pole. Um, the winds predominantly in that, or the airflow in that region is coming from the west. Okay. So our our weather is coming off the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, generally speaking, it's a very moist, it's a very humid um, airflow. And that's bringing in cloud, it's bringing in rain uh, regularly. And... Um, we're also right on the edge. Like there's no big sort of land mass in front of us that can take some of that rain before it hits us. So okay. we're kind of getting the full blunt of that as it comes over uh, off the Atlantic, you know, with the first sort of land mass in Europe that it hits. So we're we're absorbing the, a lot of the rainfall. And what's the what would be the reason then that sometimes, you know, they say like, oh, we have this polar air coming down from the north or we have hot air coming in from Europe. Like why would the wind change to bring us hot air from Europe if it normally comes in off the Atlantic? So it's it's generally driven by the pressure systems in the atmosphere. So you'll have heard on the weather talk about low pressure and high pressure. And in the atmosphere, if you have low pressure, it's rotating. It's always been certainly in the northern hemisphere. Excuse me. <clears throat> certainly in the northern hemisphere, it's always rotating in a anti-clockwise direction. Mm-hmm. That's a low pressure system. Um, it's which is called uh, cyclonic. Uh, and then a high pressure system is always rotating in a clockwise direction, which is called anticyclonic. Think of those as gears or wheels in a weather system. Mm-hmm. So depending on where those low and high pressure systems, they're rotating and they're pulling air either maybe down from the north, down from the cold poles, or they may be drawing air up from from below us, from south, mm-hmm. which is which is generally speaking warmer. So it's where uh, it's where we're positioned relative to those two big wheels or to those two sort of turning cogs, and it's pulling the weather over Ireland. This might sound like a very crazy question, but so we know that like annually, in in space, like celestial bodies that we have floating around the Earth are the same every year, right? You know, so they like they move in the same way, and we have the months and we have the seasons. How come weather? weather systems are not the same all the time. Like what creates weather and what makes it change and why is it not the same every year like, you know, like Yeah, like of course. Moon? No, no, it's a great question. Um, it's down to the number of what we would call degrees of freedom and, and, and basically the the way to put that is is how many things can be changed in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, the atmosphere is what we call chaotic. Because okay. of the fact that there are so many different things you can change in it that will result in a different outcome. Like what kinds of things? So, um, if you think of the fact that, say, I was talking at the start about how uh, we use weather models, okay? Yep. And what we try and do is we try and get a picture and as much information across the atmosphere of what all these different variables are doing. 
if you think of the atmosphere is not only does it stretch over the, the earth where we are, but also extends upwards. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, upwards for, you know, 100 kilometers or more. And there are processes taking place all through that space in terms of interactions between the air and you've got different temperatures, different pressures, different humidities. Small changes in all of those features in any location in the atmosphere, small changes over time can result in big changes down the line. Mm -hmm. So kind of a way to maybe visualize that is imagine you're standing on the top of the summit of a mountain Mm -hmm. and you're holding a ball in your hands and you let go of the ball. And it's a really sharp summit and the ball falls down one side and it bounces and rolls down the hill and keeps on rolling and it ends up uh, way down on the ground in a valley, okay? You do the exact same thing again, but the ball takes a slightly different bounce and it falls down a different valley and rolls off in the direction. So the further away and the more time the ball has had to roll from where you're standing, the bigger the difference is in the outcome of where the ball has ended up, right? So even though you're starting off from a very similar position in a very similar situation, a a tiny difference can result in huge change down the line. So uh, the atmosphere, its limit of predictability, I guess, uh, so how far we could ever forecast, even with, you know, um, perfect models and and perfect uh, observations of the atmosphere, you know, they say is maybe about two weeks or so because of the fact that it's just so chaotic, tiny little changes. So like uh, it's slightly more humid one day, that like over time that could result in a huge storm even though like at the start it's only a minuscule change. Exactly and it's not just the atmosphere as well, like the atmosphere interacts with the oceans which have their own cycles and systems. Mm-hmm. So if the ocean is slightly different, you know, maybe there's warm surface temperatures somewhere nearby at that, that weren't there last year or last month or something, that will also impact the weather. Uh, it also impacts with the land. If the land is, is has more moisture than it normally does, that affects the weather as well, how much uh, sea ice cover there is. So it's, it's a very, very dynamic uh, system and it's really sensitive to changes. There's a very famous saying about if a butterfly flaps its wings in Mexico, it causes you know, a tornado in the US or something like that. There's all different var- various variations of it. And the idea behind that was just to illustrate the chaotic nature. Small changes can have big impacts down the line. Talk to me about climate change. As someone who works for Metair and works with weather, are you concerned? And is it, like, I know a lot of people when you said they're like, oh, we might see a few more heat waves. Like, I don't think a lot of people are concerned about that because people quite enjoy it. Obviously in Ireland it's temperate, it's not, you know, destroying our lives or causing famine. Um, how concerned are you about climate change? So yes, I am, I'm concerned. It's uh, It's been something that I have given a lot of time to. It's what I researched as, as you know, PhD and things like that because it's something I'm very concerned about. And here in Ireland, as you say, there can be a sense of... Um, Maybe, you know, a few warmer days wouldn't be such a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Ireland is, is basically tracking on the global average for climate change. So we've seen about a a 1.3 degree rise in temperature since the start of the Industrial Revolution. And Ireland has tracked around the same as that. Say so, that again. So 1.3 degrees. Yes. Since when was the Industrial Revolution? Uh, so say roughly 1850. Okay. Say. So... And Ireland has kind of tracked around that average. And in forecast, uh, sort of climate models, I should say, for the future, it's it's trending to, to also follow the global average. Mm-hmm. So, 
I suppose just looking at Ireland in terms of what what does that mean for us? Uh, as I mentioned, we'll probably have some more heat waves during the during the summers. We'll also have much fewer frost and ice days during the winter. So um, that means that we don't have you know, th- th- there is a natural benefit to having colder days during the winter. There's a role there in terms of, uh, obviously it's not my area of expertise, but in terms of uh, killing off uh, bugs and things like that that affect our livestock mm-hmm. and our crops. Um, but we could also have then, as I mentioned, our rainfall is going to be more unevenly distributed. We'll have more extreme rainfall events and then uh, increased dry periods. Again, which doesn't sound terrible when you, when you live in, say, in the west coast of Ireland when you get mm-hmm. an awful lot of rain. Um, but the the pressures that, that could put on our our natural system, which are which is obviously finely tuned to very specific weather conditions, very specific climates, and we're changing it at a rate much faster than would have been changed before. Mm-hmm. So we're not giving uh, the natural environment the time to respond to that in the same way. Um, now I'm just just focusing on Ireland at the moment. Um, we also obviously have the impact, which will be felt globally, of sea level rise, which okay. will continue because of uh, melting ice. However, that's kind of just really sort of narrow, narrow sort of looking at what is happening weather-wise or climate-wise in Ireland. The reality is that uh, there are certain regions where the changes in temperature and the changes in weather due to climate change will be much more severe. So, for example, the Arctic, there are places in the Arctic that have uh, temperatures have increased already in the last 50 years by four de- more than four degrees Celsius. Um, there are areas where it is already too hot to work or too hot uh, you know, to, to, to grow crops, um, too dry, and those regions are going to become hotter and drier. That is something that will obviously inf- uh, affect those regions really badly locally, but we won't be insulated from that because of uh, the geopolitical impacts of that. We're already seeing mass migration. Uh, we see people who are in, you know, dire straits, wanting to find a better lives for themselves. That's going to increase because of the pressures that climate change is going to put on these regions, and that affects everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not something that anywhere in the globe will be be insulated from. Um, so, in terms of uh, for Ireland, I think in terms of purely talking about climate and weather, we're fortunate, as we mentioned before, we're in a pretty moderate location that our, our changes to our climate will be moderate. They'll still be significant and we still f- feel the impacts of those. But we cannot ignore then what will be the much broader geopolitical impacts. Yeah. Which you don't really think about when you're like bammed out having a picnic in June. Um, what are your, like what's the most exciting part of weather for you like what what brought you into it what's your favorite thing to do like what excites you about it so my background is um I suppose keeping on the climate side of things is in researching uh, snow and ice mm-hmm. and why uh, how climate is going to affect those so i spent um i spent 5 years in canada uh, running a research uh, study on the glaciers in the canadian rockies and spent some time in Alaska and, and the Arctic as well. Uh, because it's really fascinating how, because you kind of hear a lot in climate, when people talk about climate change, talk about melting ice, and you sort of like, well, you know, certainly here in Ireland, how's that going to affect us? Doesn't seem to matter. But it's it's ama- it's really interesting how much of an impact it, it can have on our, you know, on our, uh, on our society globally and also locally as well. Um, 
on a global level, you have sea level rise, obviously, which is really important. Um, it'll affect everywhere that has a coastline. Um, and ice is also really important for actually keeping the planet cool. It acts a bit like wearing a white t-shirt on a hot sunny day. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, think about this, the heat and the energy coming in from the sun, if you've got a lot of snow and ice on the planet, it reflects a lot of that heat energy. The more snow and ice that melts and that cover is reduced, the more the planet is able to absorb that heat from the sun and it gets warmer and more snow and ice melts. So it's like a vicious cycle that mm-hmm. you get into. So uh, ice and snow has this really important impact on, on climate globally. And then locally, say the glaciers that I was working on up in the mountains in Canada, the meltwater from those is used for irrigation, drinking water, for hydropower production, and also it's really important for uh, the local um, ecology and, and, and wildlife. If you lose those glaciers, you're basically losing a water reservoir. So essentially, like if you think of a glacier as a water reservoir, during the winter, it's storing water as snow and ice. And then during the summer, when it would normally be dry and hot in these locations, it's releasing that as meltwater. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a way of regulating their water. Once those are gone, it means you're not getting that uh, supply of fresh water when you need it the most. That's really important in North America, really important in uh, areas downstream of the Himalayas. So billions of people depend on the water that comes from melt uh, in the Himalayas and the loss of those glaciers could be really bad. So that that area I always found really fascinating, the impact it could have. And also, they're beautiful locations to be able to spend time. You know, it's it amazing to be able to spend that chunk of time up in the mountains doing this research in really remote locations. I mean, they're absolutely beautiful locations. So I really enjoyed that. What I think got me into sort of weather in the very first place probably was as a kid watching Twister and uh, like many people I think who worked for Metairn and uh, seeing this incredibly exciting uh, adventure that people were having following weather and um, so things like thunderstorms and severe weather that you get in the States. Have you done that? Have you tried to recreate? Uh, I have, yes. Yeah, as as I said to some people, you know, sadly enough, on, on my holidays from the weather uh, service, I go chasing weather. But uh, on a few occasions, myself and a colleague of mine from Aaron and, and we met up with some American meteorologists as well. And we've gone storm chasing through the, through the central US. Um, usually go for maybe about two weeks at a time. How do you know that? You're going to see them. Well, it's, yeah, that's that's the good. Like the Northern Lights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's it's a you, you're working on averages really. So generally, actually, around this time of the year, so uh, sort of April May is the best time to go. It's when you have the most favorable sort of general atmospheric conditions um, because you're getting a, a sort of the clash of warm and cold weather to, and taking place over the uh, over the central US. And um, so we would generally aim for a two-week period within that, maybe like the start of May, something like that. Um, and then once you're there, it's a lot of uh, a lot of driving. You're sort of repositioning to the best location where you think, okay, this day there's a good chance of these storms popping up. So it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier about forecasting. You're sort of you're looking at the broad picture first. You're saying, okay, I want to be in this state for the next couple of days, and then as it gets close close to the time, like the day before, you think, okay, the north part of the state, that's probably where the storm's going to kick off. And then during the afternoon, then it's literally, you're sort of looking at where things are developing using radar and things like that. And uh, Have you found them? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, 
it's a bit like uh, I know someone described it a bit like oh, sort of haunting almost. You know, you're trying to track these things down, but it's uh, yeah, we've we've come across some really fantastic storms. Um, I've I've an interest in photography as well, so for me that's that's a big. So you photograph aspect. Yeah, exactly, and and trying to get for, for me. I mean, I'm not researching these, so it would be foolish to get too close. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I like to kind of uh, stand back and take in the whole scene and get some good pictures and things like that. But the most incredible lightning storms I've ever seen is like going out to a nightclub. You just strobe lighting with lightning. And uh, we've seen some tornadoes as well, which are very impressive, you know, from a, from a safe distance, obviously. Have you, what is the chances of, this is my last question, what is the chances of someone being hit by lightning in Ireland? Um, there's always a chance. It's actually happened. I, I can't say. Apparently, it happens more than you think. Yeah, well, that's just what I was going to say. Yeah, I, I can't say specifically what the odds are, but you can increase those odds by doing unsafe things <laughs> during a thunderstorm. So, in terms of like, if there is a thunderstorm, you don't want to be uh, out in an open. F- uh, you know, you don't want to be sort of say out on an open mountain, for example, where you're where you're the highest point. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be close to tall trees or any sort of tall objects that might attract a, a lightning strike. Um, but we do we do get a, a fairly substantial number of thunderstorms here. They're not usually very severe. But because we have in Ireland where we are, like there's a lot of cold air above us, which encourages the development of thunderstorms. As, as I mentioned earlier, like it, warm air bubbles up through cold air and, and creates these thunderstorms. So um, we do get them fairly frequently. It's just a matter of, of being safe. If there's, there's thunder and lightning around, you kind of want to be maybe inside your car or inside your house. How, how does lightning know... Sorry. How does lightning hit a tree? Like, how does... Why does lightning hit the earth? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, I, I'll give you a, a general answer. I'm not a, I'm not a sort of a lightning researcher or expert, but you have... Um, so if you think of lightning as almost like a handshake, right. it's not just coming from the cloud. There's also, you have positive and negative mm-hmm. recharged energy. And when those two meet, you get a lightning strike. So you all you have energy uh, coming from the ground also. Um, and and lightning, the lightning that's been generated up in the up in the cloud, is looking for a path to to discharge. And there are uh, pathways that are coming up from the ground also. So it's kind of like when you have this um, connection between positive and negative energy coming mm-hmm. from the cloud and coming from the ground. That pathway is opened, and the lightning. Uh, discharges along that path, so it's 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 like there's a two way communication going. It's not like the cloud isn't purely sort of blindly sending out a lightning bolt that just happens to hit the tree. Uh, there's like a two way communication between the ground and the. So and the tree the is looking for it. Well, you could say that it's kind of. I guess the the cloud is. Uh, the cloud is encouraging a charge in the ground. So it's what we call inducing a charge because mm-hmm. it's really strongly charged. It's encouraging um, an opposite charge in the ground. So, um, And then uh, these sort of pathways are more likely to form at points or high points where, where these kind of charges are accumulating and streaming out from the ground. That's uh, fascinating. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting. As I said, I mean, I'm not an expert, I'm not a researcher in it, but there's, it's... Uh, there is, a, I think, a lot of mystery around it as well that, that they're trying to uncover exactly how this stuff works, but um, it's really, really interesting. 
Okay, if anybody wants to know more about the weather, um, they can watch <laughs> the news. Uh, no, where can they find you and... Tell us about your podcast. Absolutely. So obviously, in terms of forecasting the weather, check out the, the MetAaron uh, website and app. And we have a MetAaron podcast. It's released generally about once a month. It's uh, released through Headstuff here as well. And we cover a whole range of topics, not just weather. We talk about how the weather impacts people's lives. So we've talked to like professional surfers. We've talked to pilots of Coast Guard helicopters. Uh, we talk about how... Um, People in ancient Ireland use the sky to uh, to understand the world around them. So we cover a whole broad, and then of course we talk about weather and climate and the latest developments in, in climate science. Uh, next episode is going to be about space weather, so mm-hmm. all about the aurora, things like that. So um, it's available wherever you get your podcast. So um, if you would like to know more, check that out. And sorry, I have one more question. Um, <laughs> why or dot no? And we can edit this out if that's if it's not helpful. I have heard. Joe, we can actually we we can cut it there, uh, edit this, and I'll talk to you about it off air. You you, you can ask if yeah if, if it's. Well, I was just going to say that I heard Joe Duffy. Oh, at this woman. So Joe Duffy was talking about the weather, and this woman rang in and was like, "I always get my weather from Yr.no, and it's the best uh, forecast, and it'll tell me down to the minute." Where do they get their information from? So they're a Norwegian. Um, group. I, I don't know that much detail about them. And they're very popular. Um, they would be running computer models as well. And I think they're, they're quite good at what they do. The difference is, however, is that in Ireland, we also use, they're using what we would call a global model, which mm-hmm. is covering the whole globe and predicting the weather over the whole globe. We use those as well for uh, sort of like long range forecasting. So when you're talking about two weeks or one week out, but we also have a short, sort of short-term, sort of three-day, it's actually 54 hours, a short-term forecast model, which is very high resolution. So what I mean by that is it's focused just over Ireland and it can it can sort of, it looks at Ireland in very small little chunks, so like really high resolution. Um, and it's the, MetAaron are the only people who would, anywhere in the world, who would be running a model of that accuracy for, for Ireland, Ireland, for yes. Ireland. So that is always the benefit for if you're using, you know, you mentioned wire, but if any of the other ones like AccuWeather or, or even, you know, the, the weather that pops up on your iPhone or your Android mm-hmm. phone, that's coming from a global model. So it's very Broad. coarse. Yeah, it's like looking at a an old uh, TV from, I don't know, you know, the, the 70s and compare that with a 4K high resolution TV from now. The 4K yes. high resolution is what? the model that MetAaron runs for Ireland. Mm-hmm. And we're the only people in the world who run that for Ireland. So if you want really specific information in Ireland, certainly for, say, three days, sort of a three-day forecast period, um, you're only going to get that information from MetAaron. But like if you're going to travel to, if you're going on holidays, then those Absolutely. AccuWeather they're, they're or Wired very useful, are very yeah. useful. And, and also don't be afraid to check out the local whatever, you know, Meteo France, if you're going to France or something like that, because they'll also have, you know, good stuff for, for their for their region. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Noel Fitzpatrick. Uh, that is another episode of Basically. I'm your host, Stephanie Preisner. Our music is by Only Room. Our graphic design is by Kahlo Gara. We're produced today by Megan Fox and we are part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thank you. That's all for this episode. My thanks again to Stephanie for a really great chat. 
If you'd like to know anything more about the topics we covered or have any comments or suggestions about the podcast, be sure to get in touch at podcast at met.ie or on Met Aaron's social channels. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to the Met Aaron podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.